0: My family lives near Oakland Cemetery. I'm a native to the area, and I know many of you are as well, and I know a lot about that place. We took tours of it in elementary school, and now living near it, I've learned even more. I know about the famous locals that are buried there, about the history of the different segregated areas, about the monuments and their symbolism. I also know that it used to be a very popular place for families to come have picnics, they brought their baskets and their blankets and their children, and they spent the day. My children, much like the picnicking families of old, think it's a great place to ride scooters and bikes. The sidewalks are paved and wide. The hills are gentle for little legs pumping up and down. And there is a lot to look at. When I go, through runs, when I go for runs through the cemetery, I turn off my music. I pay attention to the graves and the monuments that I pass. Quick math in my head tells me the ages of the people that rest there, and I often connect those ages with people that I love today that are with me. There's the large angel that covers the grave that's um, the same age as my father. There are Civil War soldiers buried there younger than my cousins. In this way, I connect with the people who rest there. Like many parents that I know, the tiny little graves are the hardest ones to bear because they seem so outside what I wish were the natural order. We are born. We live long, meaningful lives. We die surrounded by great-grandchildren that adore us. Despite my own theology of death as a part of our journey with God, I still get twisted and torn up when I am confronted either personally Or professionally with a parent burying a child. In one part of the cemetery there's a line of five little graves with one larger one at the end. They are five little children born two or three years apart, none living long enough to meet his or her siblings. The last one is their mother who died a few days after her youngest child. This little line of graves is so poignant to me, speaking at first to the frailty of the human body, which so often, even in this world of advanced medical science, just can't survive the trauma and mystery of human existence. But more important to me, and more importantly, it speaks to me of the strength of human hope. In this circumstance, That mother was so determined to raise a child that even the repeated, devastating loss could not kill the hope that the next one just might be healthy and strong. She did not, as St. Paul suggested, lose heart. Paul's writings, as we all know, are all over the theological map. Believers of all stripes use Paul to support theological understandings, ways of reading the gospel, of interpreting God. Because of this, Paul can seem really difficult. I include myself in those who find Paul difficult. Paul tells us things we don't want to hear, like that we are supposed to deny our earthly selves. Paul reminds us that life on earth is painful. Paul's messages are hard to digest. They're hard to stomach in light of our fear of aging and death. We don't need to be reminded of the fragility of the human body, do we? We're living it. We're surrounded by it. Most of us are reminded daily in little ways about the wasting of our outer nature, as Paul names it. We are sagging and we're wrinkling and we're graying and we're creaking. And that's those of us who are in good health. We are all marked as well by death, by the death of those we love. We know intimately what it is like to lose someone. But then here's Paul pushing us again and again into remembering that we are indeed mortal, that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. Thank you, Paul. But... As usual, there's something else here, too. Something more than just Paul's depressing litany of the frailty of humanity. What is truly remarkable in this morning's reading is not that the outer nature is wasting away. Our frailty does not make the evening news. What is truly amazing is that Paul can say in the midst of all this, there is hope. For Paul, this hope is worth allowing ourselves to live into the hardship, live into the aging and the pain, to be confronted with our own mortality and the mortality of those we love. In order that we can witness and proclaim the good news of God's acts of redemption, God will rectify our frailness. And our faith will carry us into another day. God promises redemption, and hope will carry us into another year. Back to that tragic line of impossibly tiny little graves in Oakland. That mother lived out in a, in a way no parent should have to, this dichotomy that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. She knew intimately about the wasting away of outer nature. She watched her babies succumb to it. And if we just stop there with Paul and with that poor mother, we may as well all sink into the mire of that tragedy. But Paul doesn't stop there. And that mother didn't stop there. And we don't stop there. Because even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is renewed day after day after day. Paul said that and we live it. In my world, I add to that image of that line of little graves the image of my very strong, very healthy five-year-old son with his skinny arms and legs brown from the sun flying through Oakland Cemetery on his bike. He is the image of vitality. He embodies life and possibility. His outer nature thus far shows no signs of wasting. What does she think of my beautiful son, who has outlived in more ways than one every one of her five precious children? What does she think of me as I chase him on my bike, having never worried about more than a nosebleed in my own children? I like to think that she, together now with the babies she loved till the end, is hopeful, she is hopeful still, that my son shows her that babies can indeed grow like little weeds, that mothers can worry about nothing other than nosebleeds. We humans, we are fragile. We break and we bleed. We hurt and we grieve and we lose and we die. There is no promise anywhere in the Gospels that we will be anything other than fragile in our time here on earth but we are, as children of God, filled with hope. As Paul's difficult teachings direct us again and again, we possess a strength that is sometimes individual, but more often communal. This is a deep well of strength that does not deny our physical frailty, but instead confronts it and does not let it overcome us. Together, with God and with one another, we possess this inner nature, day by day renewed, that will bring us into the eternal glory beyond measure, into that place where, as our burial liturgy tells us, there is no pain and no grief, but life, life eternal. Amen.